Amen. Amen. Thank you, Mr. Ed. Thank you, worship team, for that great time of worship here this morning. Hey, I want to bring to your attention right now, uh, we always, around this time in our service, we collect our tithes and our offerings, so I want to make you aware of two things. First, if you want to give, you can give online at the link you see on your screen, homesavenue.com forward slash give. And you can go on there, you can select to the general budget or to the Annie Armstrong offering, as I mentioned earlier, or to the memorial fund as those options are on there as well. I also want to bring to your attention, and you'll hear about this again at the end of the service, but you see that other link right there on the screen right now, homesavenue.com forward slash comment. Listen, as you're watching this right now, we have other pastors and, and leaders that are watching this service as well, and you're able to go on there and you're able to add any comments you want on the stream that you're seeing right now on Facebook. You can put any uh, kind of questions or anything that you have that you're thinking about right now during the service. Or uh, at the end of the service, you can go to homesavenue.com forward slash contact where you'll be able to reach out to us. Let us know of any prayer requests you may have. Let us know if you've made a decision to follow Jesus. And we would be so excited to hear that and follow up with you on that. And also let us know uh, about uh, if you want to move forward with baptism or things like that when we're able to corporately gather again. Please let us know those things. Uh, this morning we are continuing in our sermon series on spiritual disciplines, habits of the faith. And last week we started this series and we looked at the spiritual discipline of Bible study and what it means to open the Word of God daily, what it means to come before the Lord, seek Him out in His Word. And you know we talked about there at the end of the service the SOAP method, which you've seen on the study guides for our sermon series that we put out. You can actually go on there and uh, see in there the SOAP method, S-O-A-P, Scripture Observation Application Prayer, where you can do this as an extra tool to help you in studying the Word of God. Today, we come to this moment where we are studying the spiritual discipline of prayer. And for this sermon series, as you heard me say at the beginning of last week's series uh, sermon, we are doing this as an overarching theme from the book of 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, where the Apostle Paul writes, Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourselves for godliness. And it's on this verse that we're using as that overarching theme. And we talked about the fact that as an athlete or anybody of that sort is training for something, as a student is preparing for a test, they're continually disciplining themselves, whether it be physical activity, the way in which they eat, or in the context with the student, the way in which they are disciplining themselves to study for the subject matter for the test. There are many other examples that we can give. But we know from the scriptures, from what we see from what I just read, that we are to train ourselves for godliness. And in this time right now, it is just so fitting, while we are not able to corporately gather together, that we can work on these spiritual disciplines, that we can grow in these things as we discipline ourselves in the Word of God, through prayer, in worship, in evangelism, and in fasting. Just some of the ones that we're going to talk about during this series, continuing. But we use this scripture to know that we are training ourselves for godliness so that we can be equipped and prepared to share the good news to our neighbors that are around us right now, to our family members that are around us or in our homes, and when we're able to go back out fully into the community to share the gospel with other people that we come in contact with. As I mentioned, we are looking at the subject matter of prayer today. And there are plenty of examples all in Scripture where we see people go and they offer their prayers to God. They go to get along with God the Father. We see, for example, in 1 Thessalonians 5.17, where the Apostle Paul says to pray without ceasing. And he gives us this mindset and this notion that we must be continually praying. 
We must continually be coming before the Lord and honoring him and bringing our petitions to him and our supplications and asking these things to the Lord. Well, today we're going to see the example in Scripture, this model prayer for us that the Lord Jesus Christ teaches of what we are to do when we pray. And I pray that this ministers to you during this time. At this time, we always stand to honor the reading of God's word. So if you're home and you want to do that, I encourage you to do that. We're going to start with Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 5. And the word of the Lord says, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in synagogues and at the street corners so that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This is the word of the Lord. Join me in prayer. Almighty God, Lord, we thank you for who you are, our heavenly Father. We thank you, Lord, for the fact that you are sovereign over this world. We thank you that you spoke everything into existence, that you are creator of all things, and yet you chose to send Jesus to go to Calvary's cross to die in our place, to take on your wrath for us. We thank you, Lord, that it didn't end at Calvary. We thank you that Jesus defeated the grave and he is resurrected to new life on the third day that we just celebrated at Easter. Father, may we remember that. May we worship you for that all the days of our life because the resurrection gives us life. Father, I pray now as we look at the subject matter of prayer, very important subject matter for a follower of Jesus, I pray, Father, that you would speak to us during this time. I pray that wherever everyone is right now listening, that all the distractions would fade away and that we would hear from you today, that you would get me out of the way and that you would speak in this place. Father, I pray also for all of our brother and sister congregations that are lifting high the name of Jesus through online or uh, even drive-up services, whatever they're doing right now. I pray, Father, that you would be glorified in their midst too and that people would come to saving faith in Jesus because of the word of God being proclaimed. I love you, Lord, and I bless you. It's in the strong name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, here today for this passage of Scripture, we are going to see the fact that all believers are called to discipline themselves for godliness, and this absolutely involves continual time in prayer. Jesus himself expects this of his followers. So if you're taking notes, I hope that you are. You can see the first point is to pray with the right motives. Pray with the right motives. Look again at verse 5. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. Now, what is the very first thing that we see from verse 5 that Jesus is saying? Jesus says there, when you pray. 
It doesn't mean if you pray or when you get around to the time to pray, but when you pray. It is this expectation of followers of Jesus. If you have been saved and bought with the price of Jesus and his blood shed at Calvary, you are expected to pray. You are expected to discipline yourself in the act of praying, to come before the Lord, to lift up requests to him, but honor him before you even do that, which we will talk about here in a moment. As obedient followers of Christ, this has to be a priority in our lives. Prayer must be a priority. You know that we're doing Luke 10.2 every day at 10.02 in the morning. That is something to build into, not a repetitive thing just to do it, but to do it as a moment of setting aside that time and coming before the Father, earnestly praying to Him about the request of Luke 10.2. And I encourage you, continue to do that and continue to build upon your prayer life following the example that we see here today. Because remember, we are training ourselves for godliness, as Paul said in 1 Timothy. Now, let's make something perfectly clear here as well. When we see here, and it says that, that you, you must not be like the hypocrites that stand and pray in the synagogues and all that, Jesus is not saying that public prayer is wrong. If it is wrong, then we've been messing up because we've been publicly praying. He's not saying that. What he is saying, though, is to point out the fact that you must follow the way in which he is telling you to do so. Don't just do it so that people can hear you. Don't just do it so that you are heard. In the Jewish culture, there was public prayer happening all the time. Morning, afternoon, evening, night. It was always happening. So the public prayer is a great thing, and we should do that. The corporate body of Christ, we pray together corporately, aloud, in front of each other. But what Jesus is saying here is do not stand and do it just so your voice can be heard. Do not do it because that is not of the right motive. That is not of the right way in which we should be honoring the Lord and being obedient to him. The reason that he calls them hypocrites is because they stand there and that is their desire. They desire to stand there so that people can hear them speak. Now, Craig Blomberg, who's a, a wonderful scholar and he's got a, a great commentary on the book of Matthew, he quotes R, excuse me, he quotes H.M. Uh, Riverbos and he's saying it this way, but public oration should represent the overflow of a vibrant personal prayer life. What is more, prayer ought not to be used to gain plaudits, summarize a sermon, or communicate information to an audience, but should reflect genuine conversation with God. So when we do our public prayer, it is not so that Brian can be heard or anybody else that prays up here could be heard. It is so we continue in the conversation with God the Father to cry out to him about the requests and the petitions we bring to him and to also worship him first and foremost. Look at verse 6. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Jesus, again, is saying when you pray, not if you pray, but when you pray. He's pointing out the central concern of the matter here, and that's one's internal motivation. He says, go into your room and shut the door. It gives this image to us of getting away from everything that distracts us, to get away from it, to close the door, to put a pause on everything that's going on in life at the moment, and to get alone with God the Father. Now, if you're like me and you have one of these, this can be very much a big distraction. And if you're carrying this into your time of prayer, you need to leave it outside before you go in and shut the door. 
Because this thing is going to buzz continually. It's going to continue to go off. Your mind is going to start to race. You're going to want to go and follow up on something you saw on social media or read an article maybe that you've already read or, or that you wanted to come back to. Leave the distractions aside. Take the word of God with you and come before the Father. Open it and pray to God the Father. God desires to hear from us. He desires and he wants that time spent with his children. So put away all the other things and come before the Lord in your prayer closet, whatever place that you go to, to get away, to silence everything, and to hear from God Almighty. Do so. Do that. So we must pray with the right motives. We must be doing this from the right motives of heart. Second thing we see, not only pray with the right motives, but pray with sincerity. Pray with sincerity. Verse 7 says, And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Again, Jesus says, when you pray. Again, another automatic assumption that we have been called by God to do this. When you pray, don't heap up these empty phrases. Jesus says not to do this. Why does he say this? What does he mean by saying these empty phrases? Well, many of the Gentiles would at times repeat the same phrases over and over just so that they continually be saying something. So the attention was on them. They would cry out to their little G gods, not God Almighty, but their little G gods that they worshipped. They would do this repeatedly. Now we see in an Old Testament example from 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 26, it says, And when they took the bull that was given them, and they prepared it, and called upon the name of Baal from the morning until noon, saying, O Baal, answer us. But there was no voice, and no one answered, and they limped over the altar that they had made. Of course there was no answer. And Elijah is standing there, and Elijah just brings the hammer down on it. I encourage you, go and read 1 Kings 18, following that verse 26, because Elijah brings it down on them. They're crying out to a false god. They're crying out for this god that they have to do something for them on the altar before them that they have created. Nothing happens because it is not the living, active, breathing God. In the flesh, Jesus Christ came. He came from God Almighty to set the example to us, and he gives it to us here in his word. Jesus says, don't do this. Don't do these things that the Gentiles do. Don't continually rabble on and on. Don't babble. Don't continue to do this. Jesus says this because there's many words that are said over and over, and it's just pointless. It's not sincere. It's not direct. Now, let's make a perfectly good point about this. When Jesus is saying this, he is not saying to stop coming with those repeated prayers that are on your heart, that you have, that you are just earnestly seeking the Lord's will on, or you're bringing these requests to him. He's not saying to stop that. He's just saying to stop babbling over and over, saying the same phrases over and over again that are not sincere, that are not done in faith. For example, right now we continue to pray for our lost friends, family members, and neighbors that desperately need the gospel of Jesus Christ to transform their life. Continue to bring those requests to God the Father. Continue to bring your son or your daughter, your grandchildren, your next door neighbor. Bring those requests to God. He wants to hear those requests. Don't just babble on about random things, though. Those are sincere things that you want to see God move in. And if it's according to his will, you ask him for those things to happen. Continue to pray that the COVID-19 crisis would come to an end. 
and we will be able to get back to normal, although we are, we are really addressing this new normal that we're in, we, we need to see the need and pray, God, please remove this COVID-19 so that, that we can continue to go out and, and do the mission and the work of the church. Continue, as I already mentioned earlier, to pray Luke 10 2 every day. What does Jesus say in that passage? He tells us to pray to him, the Lord of the harvest, earnestly, because the harvest is plentiful and the labors are few. So pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest that he would send out labors into his harvest. That is something that we repeatedly do because we're earnestly coming before God the Father and we're praying that we would see him move in this. And I want to encourage you right now, church, your prayers are being answered. There are other churches that are praying a similar text from Matthew's gospel that are praying the harvest is plentiful, the labors are few, and we're seeing God start to work in and through our churches. It is incredible. Obviously, we want to continue to pray for those that are sick and those that need healing. We see in Scripture, there's, there's plenty of examples that we can give that give all these examples of repetitive prayers. One that you can remember from uh, Holy Week when we did our devotional online. When Jesus, after the Lord's Supper, he's out there in the garden. What does Jesus do? He goes into the garden and he goes to pray the God the Father. And he says, Lord, if you would take this cup from me, please do so. But if it's not my will, but your will be done. He goes back to the disciples who are asleep. He comes back in and he comes before the Lord again and he prays the same prayer. That repetition, it's earnestly coming before the Father with these types of requests. We see Paul in 2 Corinthians. He goes and he talks about the thorn in the flesh and he even says in that passage that he repeatedly comes before God the Father praying that the thorn in the flesh would be removed. So these repetitive type prayers that are good, that are sincere, we must continue to pray those. He says there in verse 8 of Matthew chapter 6, Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Do you see the beauty in that verse that I just read? Our Father, God Almighty, our Heavenly Father, knows what we need before we even ask Him. This makes sense, does it not? This is sovereign God who sits on his throne and reigns over this world. This is the God who spoke everything into existence. This is the God that formed us in our mother's womb. This is the God that knows every hair that is numbered on our head. This is the God that knows everything about us. This is the God that is with us. He's omnipresent. He's always with us. The Holy Spirit, he dwells inside of us if you know Christ. So, of course, our Father knows what we need before we even ask. So what is the point of going on and babbling about things that don't matter when instead we need to be sincere, direct, coming before the Lord because he already knows what is on our heart. He already knows what we are going to ask him. Craig Blomberg also says in his commentary, it says, it's a call for simplicity, directness, and sincerity in talking to God. Let's, let's also acknowledge the fact, church, that, that we have the amazing opportunity to even get to have communion with God because of the finished work of Jesus at Calvary, because of what he has done by defeating death, making the way right between man and God again to where we don't have to go into a temple and go and, and, and ask the great high priest to go and lift up requests for us. No, we can come before him ourselves because of the finished work of Jesus and his resurrection from the grave. Hallelujah for that. 
So we pray with the right motives. We pray with sincerity. And number three, we pray following Jesus's model. Look at verse 9. Pray then like this. There again he says to pray. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. The first thing that we should do when we are coming before God the Father in prayer is to come before him and acknowledge him for who he is. He is our heavenly Father. He is our heavenly Father. It shows this authority of God and the intimacy of being our heavenly Father. It says our Father in heaven. Our Father in heaven. God is holy. He is in heaven. He is sovereignly ruling over heaven and this earth. So we come before him, we acknowledge him as our heavenly father. It says also, hallowed be your name. Holy be your name, father. Holy are you because of what you have done. You reign on your throne. You have defeated death in the finished work of Jesus. You've created all things. You know everything there is to, to know about me. You are holy and you deserve my worship. You know, if you remember on this past Wednesday night when we did our Bible study, I was on my porch and we went live and I was telling you in there that talking about Psalm 130 and that fearful reverence to God, acknowledging him for who he is and we reverently fear him because he is sovereign over this world. So our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Holy be your name. Verse 10 says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. After addressing our heavenly father with the worship he deserves and crying out to him as being holy, we must also declare that it is his kingdom come and his will be done. When it says there, your kingdom come, Christ is reigning in our hearts and he lives for the followers of his church. And we are to aid in this and we should share the good news of the gospel, which we will talk about very in depth over the next couple of weeks with our spiritual discipline of evangelism. But it's his kingdom come. And so as followers of Jesus, as we just talked about last night on our Zoom call with the church, we are to be on mission even in the midst of what we're going through right now. Our mission right now is to proclaim and demonstrate the gospel to the people we come in contact with. And as we are praying for our neighbors and engaging our neighbors, God is opening doors for us to build upon those relationships so that we can share the good news of Jesus. So that prayerfully someone would come to faith in Jesus Christ and the kingdom would grow because people are coming to faith in Christ. He says, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Church, this should be our heart's cry, that the Lord's will be done. Now, because we are sinful humans that have been saved by God's grace, for those that know Christ, we are saved and we thank God for that. But folks, we still sin. We are still sinners and we need to remember that it's not our will to be done. It is God's will to be done. I just gave you the example a few moments ago of when Jesus goes into the garden and he prays and he asks, Father, if you would let this cup pass me, if you would let it pass me, then let it be done, but not my will, but yours be done. That example right there in Scripture is perfect from our heavenly Savior, Jesus Christ. He set the bar for us on that. Coming before the Lord and praying this and saying, Lord, please take this or do what you will with this, but not my will. 
yours be done. That must be our heart's cry. You know, the will of God, it is experienced perfectly in heaven. And we must pray that, that it is experienced here on this earth until the day that Christ returns. We submit to God's will in our lives, and when we submit to his will and the leading of us as well, we should be praying these things according to his perfect will. If you remember right before the whole pandemic hit, we finished the book of 1 John, and in 1 John chapter 5, 14, it says, this is the confidence that we have towards him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. We must be disciplined to be praying these things, following this model of prayer, and praying that the Lord's will be done. Because his will is all that matters. His will gets first choice before anything that we want. Lord, your will be done. Father, I'm praying for this, but this might be the way that I want it and the way that Brian only wants it. So Father, I pray that you have your way with this and your will be done in this. And nine times out of ten, because it's not my sovereign will, it's God's sovereign will, it looks a little bit different than the way that I wanted it because it's God's perfect will, it's God's perfect plan, and God lays it out for us the way that he wants according to his will. Verse 11, give us this day our daily bread. We have now moved in this model prayer from seeing the example when we're in the secret, when we're in this quiet time alone with God, we see where it's the moment of adoration and worship to God, and now it transitions to our needs, our petitions that we bring to God the Father. It says there again in verse 11 that, that we are to pray and ask to give us this day our daily bread. This is asking for daily provisions. And I would dare say you need to be praying for this daily so you can be praying for tomorrow and the next day and all of those things. But we can especially be practicing this right now in our current context, church. There are some that, are, if they haven't already, they've experienced the loss of a job. They've experienced being furloughed or a decrease in pay or whatever it may be you fill in the blank. I've heard just this week there's examples of, of people that are going and and having to go to food banks or food pantries to get food items to put food on their table right now, and they never thought that they would ever encounter that in their life. So we must pray before God the Father. When we are praying to him, we ask, Lord, give us this day my daily bread. Give me just the things that I need. And we have to make sure that we are praying specifically that and not our wants. It's really easy to fall in because we are still sinful people saved by God's grace, yes. But it's really easy for us to fall into the want category of what we're wanting rather than just what we need. And we have to remember that. We have to remember that we are asking God the Father to give us these provisions because it's what we need, not because it's what we want. James, in his letter, he writes in James 4, 3, and he says, You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your own passion. There are times where, if you're honest, you can say the same thing as me. There's times that I've prayed prayers that I've wanted it because it was something that would bring me enjoyment, something that I needed or I thought I needed that really wasn't a need. It was a want. It was a desire. Instead, it, I should be praying, Lord, give me this day my daily bread. Give me these daily provisions that are needed. We should be doing that. Verse 12 says, and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. Jesus is not saying to forgive our sins in the context of salvation. Let's make that clear. 
When it says there to forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors, it's not asking for the forgiveness of sins in the moment where you profess Christ and come to know him because you have been justified in that moment. You have been saved in that moment. Your sins have been forgiven. They have been cast as far as the east is from the west, as Scripture teaches us. I just talked about on Wednesday night with the Psalm 130 passage talking about the fact that if we had to and God just stood there and put a marker by every time we sinned, we would not even be able to stand rightly before God because our sin separates us. But because of the finished work of Jesus, that has been accomplished. Thank God. And so we have that moment of justification where we are saved. But what it's talking about here, and we're crying out for these, forgive us our debts. It's in this moment of understanding that, yes, we are saved, but we still sin. So, Father God, forgive me for not putting your word as priority today and going and getting on the PlayStation, going and turning on the television, going and working out instead of spending that time with you. Whatever it may be, you fill in the blank. There's times where we have to come before the Father daily, numerous times throughout the day, because we are sinners, and say, Father, forgive me for that, Lord. I know that you have forgiven my sin and you have wiped them clean as far as the east is from the west. But, Father, I have sinned today and I need to confess this to you. So I give this to you. Forgive me of this. And it says there, as we have forgiven those who have sinned against us. That's a very important thing for us to see, church. Because we have to understand there are those that have caused us pain. There are those who have sinned against us. Yes, I know that. And I know it's difficult to even get to the point where you want to forgive them. But I want to challenge you with something. No matter how difficult a situation may be of something that someone has done for you, if you're still harboring that, you're still holding on to that, I want to ask first and foremost that you would repent before God and ask him, Lord, forgive me of harboring onto this and having this bitterness towards this person. Forgive me of that, Lord, and give me the strength to go not only to them, but first to forgive them because, Lord, ultimately you have forgiven me of my sin. You know, church, when we stop in there and we focus on that and put it in that context, it it makes things look a lot different because, see, you and I, we were sinners against God. We were separated from God because of our sin. And because of that separation, we do not deserve to be in heaven one day with God Almighty. We do not deserve to have that perfect relationship with him. But thanks be to God, at the right appointed time, he sent Jesus to be fully God, fully man on this earth, to walk this earth, preach the good news of the gospel, to tell others that he is the Messiah, the one that has come, the fulfillment of the Old Testament text, and lived the perfect sinless life until the moment where he was betrayed, whipped, beaten, nailed to that cross where he took on God's wrath in our place, defeating death and raising to new life on the third day. It is because of that that we can look through that lens and say, man, if God forgave me for what I've done against him, no matter how big this seems, no matter how big it is, I'm still called to forgive those that have sinned against me. We must remember that. We must remember that in our prayer. And it says there in verse 13, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
Now, this verse is asking God to keep us away from the situations that would tempt us. Now, we have to remember, we have to understand, James 1.13 says, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. God Almighty does not tempt us. We are tempted by the enemy. We are tempted by these things that the enemy does before us. But we also have to remember that in those moments when we are tempted, that we have a way out. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, he makes it clear to us that no temptation has overtaken you that is not concerning to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation he will also provide the way of escape. He provides the way of escape to us, church. Lead us not into temptation, Lord. Continue to lead me. And Lord, when those times come, when I am tempted by the enemy, help me to find the way out. As we just said in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, that way is there for us. God the Father provides that way for us. And he delivers us from evil. He protects us. He watches over us all the time. He is continually with us. I was just reading before we started the service in Psalm 121. I lift my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. God Almighty protects us. That is where our help comes from. He is the one that is in control. So church, when we come to these moments in time, every single day we should be coming before the Lord in prayer. Maybe you say, well, Brian, my my prayer life, it's not really that great. I want to challenge you. Go into your prayer closet. Go into that place. As Jesus tells us, go in and shut the door. And your Father who is in secret will hear you. He will listen. Get away from the distractions. Put them aside. Come before the Lord. One of the things that is very helpful for me when it comes to prayer, and I know it's helpful for others, is to take the Word of God with you into that time of prayer. And as you are studying through things, or one of the things that's been just so such a blessing to my soul is going in with the book of Psalms. And as I'm reading through the Psalms and I'm praying to God, I'm literally reading these Psalms back off to him in my time of prayer. Remember these things. If you have to take this model example that we have from Jesus and go into your prayer closet and go and and cry out to God and say, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day my daily bread and forgive me of my debts as I have forgiven those that have sinned against me or those who are my debtors and lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. Cry out to God. Bring him your petitions. Bring him your requests. You might say, well, Brian, I do that. But I catch myself as soon as I start praying, I go right to my petitions. I go right to those prayer requests. And God wants to hear those requests. But as we see in this model, we must come before him first and foremost, acknowledging who he is, our heavenly father, the one that created everything, that sovereignly sits on his throne. And bring him worship. Sing to him. Cry out to him. Bring all of these descriptions. Look up descriptions in his word of who he is, of his character, of his nature, and say those things back to him before you get into those petitions. Because he hears us. I say, well, Brian, there's times where I go in to pray and I can't even 
Just get the words out. He knows what you're going to ask before you ask. Go before him. And there's been moments in my life where I've had to stop and say, Father God, I'm so just entwined with these things that I'm thinking about that I want to bring these requests to you, Lord, but I don't even know how to get the words out right now. So, Lord, I trust that you are who you say you are in your word, that you say that you know what I'm going to ask before I even ask them. So, Spirit, intercede on my behalf. Jesus, intercede on my behalf to God the Father and hear my cry of my heart. I don't know if, if you would say that you have a good discipline of prayer right now in your life. And if you don't, it's okay. Right now is the time where you can start that. Go on, set aside time right now in your schedule for every day this week. Start out with five minutes. Block out a five-minute period of time. As soon as you wake up, you get your coffee, you go and you open the Word of God, and you sit there and say, Lord, I'm going to come before you now, and I'm going to study your Word. I'm going to follow this little soap method. I'm going to see what you're saying to me through these passages. And then I'm going to bring my request to you, Lord. But before I do any of that, I want to worship you for the first, first few moments of this prayer and cry out to him for who he is. Thank him for what he's done for you, how he has saved your soul, and then bring those requests to him. He wants to hear from us, church, and we need to cry out to him. The band's going to come forward, and we're going to go into a time of prayer before we sing our last song. Go ahead and tell the band, you guys can go ahead and come. As they're making their way up, Every time that we finish a sermon, we stop for a quiet time of prayer and reflection before we go into our singing. And as you can see right there on the screen right now, you have homesavenue.com forward slash contact. Maybe you say, well, Brian, I'm really struggling with my prayer life, and I need you to pray for me. I need the leadership to pray for me. I have questions about my prayer life. Go to that link, homesavenue.com forward slash contact. Put those requests on there. Let us know the things that you are struggling with. Let us know ways in which we can be praying for you. Add those comments onto this comment stream that you see right there before you on Facebook. Let us know ways in which we can encourage you and help you. But I'm going to stop for a moment. I'm going to stop for a quiet reflection and prayer. And I will close this out in prayer before the band sings. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, God, I thank you so much for who you are. I thank you that you're a loving God that shows grace and mercy to his creation. Lord, I thank you that although we sinned against you, Christ Jesus still died for us. Father, I pray now as we are finishing up hearing your word proclaimed. Father, if you are moving in this moment, you're speaking to hearts your spirit is doing work. Father, I pray for the one listening right now that maybe doesn't have a relationship with you. Lord, I pray that they would feel compelled to reach out to us and ask 
what must I do to be saved? And the scripture says, repent and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I pray for that person. Lord, I pray for the follower of Jesus right now that would maybe say, man, I was doing well, but this whole pandemic hit and it's just a really difficult time right now. And I've neglected my spiritual discipline of being in the word or praying. Father, I pray that you would remind that person that your grace is sufficient. God, that you're merciful to us every day. Every day is new. Today is a day that they can start by opening your word and seeking you in it. That they can start by praying to you, even by going just to the model prayer and filling in the blanks that they have for these things. To worship you for who you are as holy and righteous. The King of kings and Lord of lords. Father, I pray that you would have your way in these next few moments. Lord, for the one listening maybe that is ready to give their life to Christ, Lord, I pray that they would acknowledge the fact that they are a sinner, that they would repent of those sins, and that they would cry out to Jesus to save their soul. Lord, I pray that whatever your will is, that it would be done, that you be glorified. We love you, Lord, and we bless you. In the strong, powerful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Join us for worship.